I invite you to listen carefully and listen well. This too is the word of the Lord from the book of Psalms, number 122. It's one of the Psalms of Ascent. It's one of the Psalms that they would have sung at least three times a year going up to Jerusalem, but also they would have sung these Psalms 120 to 134 as they climbed the steps to the temple. And I had the chance to walk up some of those steps on the southern side of the temple where Jesus would have walked. And as they would have prayed these Psalms ascending up to the highest place. And the steps were all different sizes. Some were short, some were long, but it wasn't poor construction. It was done in this way so that as you recited these psalms and as you climbed, you had to do so with intention and focus and a particular reverence. If the steps are all the same size, the kids run up and down. But if they're different sizes, you have to go slowly. So this is one that, well, Jesus would have had upon his lips as he climbed the Temple Mount. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm guessing you're not interested in Exodus anymore. (laughs) So, okay, we're going to take a break from Exodus. And I'm going to share a little bit about my trip. And I was trying to figure out how to do that. And it was just too much to to cram in. And certainly in the next week or two, um, hopefully I can have some time and we'll do some slideshows and I can walk you through um, and see some pictures, some of my experience there. Um, but this morning, I'd, I couldn't figure out where to stop if I started. And so I decided I needed to write this down. And so I'm, I'm largely going to read this to you. Um, sort of like I did after coming back from Malawi. But I hope that I'll be able to do this in such a way that you can perhaps um, see a little bit of what I saw last week. Um, So first, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a bump, a bounce, and a loud rush of wind against the wings of our plane announced our arrival to Tel Aviv, Israel. After ten and a half hours in the sky, we had come back to earth, an incarnation of sorts in the land of the incarnation. After gathering our bags, uh, we met Fote, our 41-year-old Christian tour guide. Uh, Fote was about 5'9", wore a beard, neatly trimmed. 
He seemed as if he might actually burst with enthusiasm, which began to make all the sense in the world after he informed us that one of his greatest loves in life was coffee. It is a sign of hospitality in his culture to offer a friend coffee if you meet them on the street. They will beckon you into their shops and pour the very strong black liquid into paper Dixie cups, sipping away and offering blessings. And as we would come to find out, Fote is a man with lots of friends. And so we all drank Lots of coffee until we began to bounce around Israel just like our guide. Um, Fote's name comes from the Greek word for light. And he would prove to be both illumined and illuminating as he described the land that was home to Christ. The light of the world, the one who gives light to everything and everyone that is. Uh, after climbing into the Mercedes van that would be our chariot for the week, we thought we were riding in style. Uh, we climbed again, moving upward from the coastal plain towards the hill country of Judea, approaching after 45 minutes the holy city of Jerusalem. As we ascended toward that place which for millennia has existed as the epicenter of Judeo-Christian faith, we did what people have done for just as long when drawing near to the temple for the thrice annual feasts. We read aloud the Psalms of Ascent numbered 120 to 134. As we concluded the reading, hearing the last lines of Psalm 134, May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. We crested the hill and looked directly at the Mount of Olives. There's the place where Jesus ascended, Fote said. And the bus fell silent. There's the place where Jesus will also return, he whispered. And our eyes began to search the clouds. We had arrived. During the course of our six-day tour, we visited some 60 sites. You can do the math on that. Um, early in the week, we put in 12 to 15-hour days, rising as early as 5 and collapsing into bed immediately after supper. We quickly discovered that we actually needed all the coffee that Fote could produce for us. <laughs> I also discovered that the places we got to visit uh, would not be places of silence and contemplation. Our goal was actually different. We were on what is called a familiarization tour, which means the goal was to see as many locations as possible. The tour agency hopes, actually, that this will result in a return trip with members and friends of our church in tow, aiming for a deeper experience. And maybe it will. A bunch of you have said, I would love to go. So, maybe so. But when thinking about how to describe this trip to you, I cannot characterize it very well as a pilgrimage. We were too busy. It was too frenzied. But in the few days since, if I, as I have processed some of what we were able to do and to see, I've realized how significantly the geography of that place frames the experience. And so I hope that I can convey something of the feel of Israel, which Cyril of Jerusalem called the fifth gospel. He recognized that the land, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
and now Israel. He recognized that the land itself speaks to you of Christ and of the path of salvation, something to which I think any southerner steeped in the importance of place can attest. And we certainly here in Avery County, impacted as we are by the mountains around us, um, making us work around them, our life sort of funneled into various valleys and so on. We can understand something about that. And so what I'd like to do briefly is to highlight a few of the places that we went with an eye towards, if you want to see how the whole thing moves, um, tracing out the life of Christ from Bethlehem to Calvary. And I hope that you will also be able to connect experiences of your own walk with Jesus to the world of the Bible as I saw it last week. So first, Bethlehem. Um, it was not the first place we went. But when we got there, we realized we had timed it perfectly. Uh, going to a hill which overlooks the lands once belonging to Boaz and Ruth, which in later days was home to shepherds out abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. We saw a modern-day shepherd uh, leading his sheep through green pastures. And I'm not sure if Fote didn't text him and say, <laughs> ETA five minutes, get out there. He seemed that good, actually. But Fote then went on to inform us that this was the field where these shepherds were met by angels glorifying God, saying, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It was Bethlehem, the place of Christ's birth. What was really fascinating, though, about those shepherds, historically, was that they were responsible for keeping the sheep who would become sacrificial offerings in Jerusalem. They weren't just out keeping any herds. They were special ones. Sacrificial offerings in Jerusalem for the great feast. And God, Christ, likely was born during the Feast of Tabernacles. So here's where we can connect it to Exodus, right? So after they go through the sea and wander in the wilderness... God tabernacles with them, and they move around in tents, right, as they travel. And every year now, the Jewish people celebrate, continue to celebrate, the Feast of Tabernacles, remembering this time of God with them in the wilderness. And Christ, likely born during the Feast of Tabernacles, sent angels to these shepherds at Christ at the time of his birth. Uh, because, I mean, there were spiritual reasons but they're also pragmatic ones. Think about it. Who better to share this amazing news with the most people possible than these men who would be in Jerusalem in the next few days for the feast where thousands upon thousands of people, the whole country, would be coming and would be present to learn from them the good news of the new king. And who better than these shepherds who knew that when the high priest came to them, for it was their responsibility, and selected from their herd the one animal for sacrifice, he would take it and wrap it in cloths and set it aside so that no one would accidentally touch it and make it unclean. Who better to recognize then that the swaddled Jesus was the one chosen for sacrifice and at the same time the God who tabernacles now among us. We moved there, um, from there, to the Church of the Nativity, a church built upon the traditional site of Christ's birth, the one I mentioned to you in regards to that icon. Um, that church has a very small door. 
was not made for hobbits, actually. It, no, it, it actually requires entrance to bend even at the waist to make their way in, producing in them a bow of reverence to Jesus, approaching this place even as wise kings from the east might have approached the child in humble adoration of a king higher than they. Perhaps most moving, however, was the hospitality of the Christians there in Bethlehem. Bethlehem now sits in the West Bank. In Palestine, the number of Christians there totals maybe six or 700. Um, many of them work at this local olive wood factory, which produces all manner of Christian carvings and religious items for tourists like us. I had two conversations of some depth, one with a man named Chris, the other with a man named Elias, or Elias, translated Elijah. Independently of one another, they paused at the end of our conversation, looked at me with their dark eyes, and asked with great seriousness for us to pray for them, and also to pray for the peace of the world. They live in the place where the Prince of Peace became human. And they carve olive wood branches for a living, which in Scripture serves as signs of peace. But they also live as religious minorities in a land fraught with religious and political conflict. And they long for green pastures in which to rest. Maybe you can recognize that your life is also a Bethlehem. Because your life has also been visited by God, the great Savior who comes to you, who longs to make his home with you and to extend to you the olive branch of peace carried in the mouth of the dove-like spirit who anoints your life. Maybe you can also realize that your life is also the place where a great conflict continues, the conflict between the old you ruled by sin and the new you being born again with Christ. Keep listening to the voice of your good shepherd, the one that the choir sang about this morning, because he will set a banquet feast for you, even in the midst of your enemies. Well, any spiritual conflict can be described as a wilderness, and that's where we're going next. Uh, one of the most shocking experiences of the whole trip was to see for the first time the sharp dividing line between the green hills of Jerusalem and the beginning of the Judean wilderness to the east. It, was, it looked as if a kid had drawn a picture and divided it into parts with a crayon. Lush greenery on one side, harsh barren desert on the other. So down into the wilderness we went down quite literally to the lowest place on the face of the earth, down past Bedouin herdsmen who still live like Abraham, uh, surviving on the milk of their goats and the sugary dates they consume along with it, down into craters and down past dunes, down into rough places, whose only point of comparison in my experience are the badlands of South Dakota. All of this, only 10 miles from Jerusalem, it was like stepping into a different world. This was the wilderness where David fled when Saul attempted his murder. This was the place where David sought shelter and eventually found it at a place called En Gedi, where, where surprising water bubbles and flows out of the barren hills and splashes down rocks and brought to life a wadi still home to 
a few trees in desert Abaca, a crevice of green in an ocean of sand. All of this a reminder that even the most difficult circumstances of our lives will not be without God's grace. Even the most shocking of turns that we experience are not bereft of the Lord's provision. Even our moments of suffering can point us to the truth. David intoned as he wrote in this place the psalm, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. But there was water. And not only the dead water of the Dead Sea, where we floated and covered our skin with the mineral-rich mud that left my arms feeling like Spencer's. It wasn't the most manly of moments for me, I must admit. (laughs) But there was also the water of the Jordan, where Christ was baptized and purified all the waters. There was also the Sea of Galilee where we sailed beneath a cloudless sky and remembered the storms that Jesus quieted and the winds which obeyed his command and the waters which bore his feet as he walked to his disciples in the night. Here was the land of miracles. To the east was the place where he cast the demons out into swine. Beside this was Bethsaida where he called disciples. To the north was the Mount of of Beatitudes where he sat and taught and preached to the crowds. Beside of that mountain was Capernaum, the town he called his own, the place where he healed Peter's mother-in-law and then everyone else who came to him that day. To the left of Capernaum was Magdala, the home of Mary, and there beside it was the place where Peter glimpsed the resurrected Christ cooking breakfast over a charcoal fire asking the denying disciple if he loved him. Here in Galilee, we can see that the call of our lives is to drop our nets and follow the Savior. Our purpose in life is to become like Him who shows us true humanity and true living, which is mystically conjoined to both God and neighbor. To walk a new way, to learn a new path, to heal and bless, and to be with Him as best we can. After the longing for Bethlehem peace and after the wild wilderness struggle with moments of grace came the overwhelming waters of the land of seven springs feeding and supplying the Sea of Galilee. Every night, however, we went back to Jerusalem, back up to Jerusalem, for indeed it is the center. Jerusalem where David brought the ark from Shiloh and danced before it. Jerusalem, where Solomon built the temple. Jerusalem, where Christ wept and where he went to die. Jerusalem, where we stood in the garden of Gethsemane and placed our hand upon the shelf of bedrock in the center of the church that surely was connected to the place Christ sweated blood and asked for this cup to pass from him. Jerusalem, city of peace where we entered the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, and saw the pit where Jesus was held captive and struck in the face, and where we walked the Via Dolorosa, the way of the cross, where Jesus carried the instrument of his own torture and stumbled his way outside the city gates to the hill of Golgotha, the place of the skull. Jerusalem, where we entered the church of the Holy Sepulchre, built up and around the Mount of Calvary, and stood before the place he was crucified and mocked. 
and gave up his spirit all for our sakes, heart bursting forth with blood and water so that a new bride might be taken from his side. We walked down the steps and saw the great crevice in the split rock which geologists date to an earthquake 2,000 years ago and then made our way to the virgin tomb which held Jesus, a portion of whose tomb was raised up to sort of the ground floor of this church some centuries ago, a portion of which remains 20 feet below the church floor, all of which remains empty. Hallelujah. It was a reminder that for all the ways that we decorate and practice our faith, for all the ways that we seek to remember and worship, at the very core of what we believe is a cross and an empty grave, at the very center of Jerusalem, there was a man who died and who conquered death, and so revealed himself to be God with us, our great victor, our great conqueror, who slays us with his love and brings eternal life to us as a gift and joins us to himself for all eternity. The resurrected Lord stands at the center of the city and His word to us is love. On the last day, we departed Jerusalem and then watched the city lights grow small beneath the wings of our plane. As we said goodbye to a whirlwind tour and struggled to understand what it all meant and what God was saying to us and continuing to say, And I was reminded of the Jerusalem cross, one large cross of equal parts, surrounded by four smaller crosses. Can you picture that? One large cross that points to the center of the world. Jerusalem is the holy city. And four smaller crosses that signify the four corners of the earth. It's reminded of it. Because as wonderful as Jerusalem is, the resurrection of Jesus produced for us not an end, but a beginning. Not a final destination, but a launching pad. And the good news of Jesus is now our responsibility to bear into all the corners of the earth. News that is good whether you and your life long for Bethlehem peace, or for a sip of water and a season of wilderness wandering, News that is good for you as you walk the miraculous moments of Galilean life or as you walk the most dramatic and life-changing experiences of death and resurrection. Indeed, Christ is at the center of all of it, of all the world, and of all of you. And as I think about that reality, I'm certain that there could not be a more wonderful trip in all the universe than the journey that you are called to take with Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.